0: Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, May 6th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Jyoti Gondek. With flames fever in full swing, we ask the Mayor for an update on the Events Centre project and get some details on an investment from the federal government towards the revitalization of the Glenbow Museum.
1: Next, to look at the headlines south of the border from the latest on the U.S. lending intelligence support to the Ukraine in the war against Russia to a grim COVID-19 milestone. We catch up with Jackson Prosco, Global News, Washington Bureau Chief.
0: Then we look at the circus-like defamation hearings involving Johnny Depp and his ex-wife Amber Heard. We speak with the Center of Media and Celebrity Studies about the much-talked-about trial and what the end result might be. And finally, a breakdown of the new releases hitting
1: theaters and streaming just in time for the weekend. Brett McGarry of the Couch Potatoes brings us details on the latest Marvel offering, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and his review of the finale of the popular Netflix series, Ozark. Here we go. It's our weekly conversation with Mayor Jyoti Gondek, and, of course, in focus, Calgary Flames, the Flames Fever. And uh, good morning to you, Madame Mayor.
2: Good morning, Andy. How are you?
1: Good, good. We'll get your hockey analysis and and what you think is going to happen in Game 3 in Dallas in a second. But first, let's talk about the event center. Uh, Gary Bettman comes to town and says, hey, we need a new building. Does this mean we're going to start the shoveling uh, tomorrow or Monday?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's awesome that Mr. Bettman came to town to check us out during the playoffs. It's going to be pretty evident to him that we love our team. He's also able to see everything that's going on in the Rivers District. Um, Would have been happy to provide him with a tour of all the elements of a culture and entertainment district. Unfortunately, he um, is otherwise busy speaking with the team and uh, going to other cities, I'm sure. So, yes, he made a statement that he has made in the past. And uh, we continue to work through our committee and administration to look at the future of the project.
0: And we know that. We know we need a new arena. We know events don't come here because of that. And he said no NHL, anything NHL-wise will come here extra until that happens. But do we, can you give us any kind of an update on where we are? I know the committee is working behind the scenes. Can, can we find anything out about what progress is being made? Well, I can tell you that Councillor Sharp, as the chair of the committee,
2: has done um, a very good job of staying quiet about where things are at because confidentiality is key. At this particular point, um, we have a third party that is providing advice. There is a meeting upcoming. I think it's May the 25th. I don't remember if that's the exact date, but I do believe there will be more information released to the public at that time. But as with any strong uh, project that will enter negotiation at some point, it's important to build trust. And you build that trust by letting the parties that are doing the work do their work instead of speculating. So uh committee's doing their work, and I look forward to their update.
1: All right. The personal question, is: great to see that sea of red. It's great to see playoff hockey back at the Dome. Are you wearing your jersey, Mayor, uh, mayor? and uh, what are your predictions for this series?
2: So I've got my jersey. I've got my uh, giant flame socks that I wear on a regular basis. Um, my prediction is that we will make it through to the next round. I don't like predicting things until we get through the stage we're at. But the team looks good. Um, yesterday was incredibly unfortunate, but I think we will bounce back. I think we've got um,
0: some amazing players who are incredibly committed to bringing a win home. Hear, here, We're all backing you on that one. Let's talk about uh, some money that's being spent. Um, one of those things is the Springbank Offstream Reservoir, finally getting that on the go. And then a $40 million investment into the Glenbow. How does that fit into the, the downtown strategy? Well, the Spring Bank project is incredibly important to ensure that we've got flood mitigation in our city.
2: Really happy to see that um, the government takes this as seriously as the city does. It was um, an, an amazing announcement. It's been a long time coming and we are thankful to our provincial partners for doing that yesterday. Um, when it comes to the Glenbow, it is a beloved space. It's cultural experience, it's the arts, it's community, and in addition to the money that's been invested, by the feds, the province, and locally. I have to give big props to the board and staff at the Glenbow who have hustled so many dollars, $14 million, as a matter of fact, from the community, from business leaders, from community leaders. And a very big thanks as well to the Shaw family who donated, I believe, $25 million to ensure that it's free admission in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. This is a big project.
1: It's kind of I can't even wrap my head around that. Mm-hmm. It sounds like an op- awesome opportunity for families and individuals alike to check out the culture that we have and, of course, some of our rich history. I want to ask you this, uh, Madam Mayor, because we got a, a text in from Darcy, and it's interesting because we talked about the investment in Glenbow, what that means for the core. We've talked about the event center, We're talking about money coming in. Darcy says, ask the mayor about the homeless camp uh, around the drop-in center. It is growing again, but I, I guess bigger picture, homelessness in the core and, and beyond It's got to be a major concern from uh, City Hall at this point.
2: It's absolutely a major concern from our perspective. Our residents are incredibly worried about um, people's situations when they are unhoused. We are concerned about it. I can tell you that I've had conversations with um, provincial folks yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday I had the opportunity to chat with um, Infrastructure Minister LeBlanc, our federal representative. Um, We went for a little walk in downtown and we were able to explain to him why we need more investment from the federal government. He is looking forward to coming back and speaking further about what they can do to help us out. But housing is a priority not only for us, but for the province and the feds as well. So
0: hopefully we make some movement on this. You know, you just said the words coming back and it feels like the city is really starting to have a bit of a bounce in its step once again, coming out of the pandemic, that things are getting back to normal and it feels like we are moving in that forward positive direction again. Does it feel like that to you? It does.
2: And you know what? I like to give you numbers whenever I can. I can tell you that the research that's been done on North American cities in terms of rebounding um, throughout the pandemic at this particular point in time, our city is second in Canada, second only to Montreal in terms of people returning to downtown. And when it comes to the North American market, I believe we ranked fifth. And another good news story, our tech sector is growing faster than any other city. We are at 2.2% growth, and second place is one7 That's Seattle.
0: Wow. Not bad at all. Backing it
2: up Not with the numbers, yep. our
1: mayor. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great weekend, and go Flames, go, mayor.
2: Andy, may I add one thing? Sure. Yesterday was the National Day of Awareness for missing, murdered, and exploited Indigenous women, girls, and people that are Two spirit. Mm-hmm. I just want to remind Calgarians that that day is significant. It's a reminder to us that every day we should be thinking about our own journey to reconciliation, and I just wanted to put that out as a reminder to everyone. So thanks for the extra minute. Thank you, Mayor. Appreciate it, and
0: uh, have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you. Calgary Mayor Jody Gondek. This week, the COVID death toll in the United States reached 1 million and a 50-year-old landmark ruling could be overturned. With details on all the news making waves south of the border, we're joined this morning, as we are every Friday, by Global News Washington Bureau Chief Jackson Prosco. Hi, Jackson.
3: Good morning. Happy Friday.
0: Happy Friday to you. Let's start with the big one this week, and that was Roe v. Wade. Uh, The first time anything has ever been leaked from the Supreme Court. How likely is this 1973 ruling to be overturned?
3: You know, that's sort of the big, mysterious question right now. We're not going to get a final ruling from the court until June or July. And so the question is, was this leaked to signify where the court is headed or was this leaked to signify something else, perhaps that this is where the court was headed and then more moderate conservative justices backed away from a full repeal of Roe versus Wade? And essentially, this is leaking the receipts of where things may have been at, at at one point. We just don't know right now. So it's really a waiting game.
1: Where did this come from as far as the states that are interested? Because we're hearing bits and pieces of the the states that are interested in, in making a change.
3: That's right. So essentially what's been happening are is that states like Texas and Mississippi have been passing increasingly draconian laws aimed at forcing the Supreme Court to reevaluate the constitutionality and legality of the 1973 Roe versus Wade decision. And it was actually a hearing in the Mississippi case that brought us to this point. Uh and what you're seeing are states essentially pushing hard to repeal abortion access. Uh it's uh, presumed that if Roe versus Wade is repealed uh by the court, 25 or 20 six states would go ahead and ban abortion entirely. And that includes 13 states that already have, they call them trigger bans on the books. These are laws that were passed that uh, the moment the court were to overturn Roe versus Wade, abortion would immediately become illegal in those states.
0: Jackson, how does this work in terms of the politics of it then? Does this help the Democrats, the Republicans with midterms coming up?
3: Uh, I think one could argue both. Uh, you know, the court is essentially saying this should be up to lawmakers to decide, not the courts to decide. And so what you're seeing now is a scramble by Democrats to pass a piece of national legislation to make Roe versus Wade the law as opposed to just a tenuous court ruling. Uh, it is unlikely that that will pass in the Senate. Remember, you need 60 votes to overcome the, th- the filibuster. A couple of Republicans may be on board with this, but probably not enough to get to 60. And so essentially the theory is that uh, where your elected, representatives stand on this issue will be a huge draw in the upcoming midterm elections and this could certainly motivate more democrats to come out and vote but honestly this is a bigger issue for republican voters than it is for democrats and could very well rep- uh, motivate high republican turnout as well
1: jackson as we emerge from the pandemic of uh, a very grim milestone when it comes to deaths in the u.s hit that one million mark was it was it this week
3: Yeah, you know, it depends on the count you're looking at, but it is widely assumed that the official counts, which are right in and around the 1 million mark, are actually an undercount, uh, and it's likely we've surpassed that already. Really, really grim stuff.
0: Uh, Let us talk a little bit about um, what is going on in uh, Ukraine right now. The EU proposing a total ban on Russian oil. Big step towards supporting Ukraine, reducing reliance on Russia. Uh, Does that have an effect on the United States at all?
3: Yeah, you, you know, the U.S. has already banned imports of Russian mm-hmm. oil. I think the bigger prize is uh, a EU ban or EU uh, ending its dependency on Russian gas, natural gas uh, in particular. Uh, and we're not there yet, but certainly it's another step uh, in the right direction as far as the U.S. is concerned in terms of isolating Russia and really making Russia feel the economic pain of uh, uh, invading Ukraine. Well, let's
1: talk about the intelligence that the U.S. has been providing to Ukraine. We're hearing that A lot of this intelligence has been used effectively, in essence, to kill many Russian generals. What do we know about this?
3: Yeah, effectively, the U.S. from right from the outset has been providing real-time intelligence to uh, the Ukrainians. Sort of within thirty to sixty minutes of receiving that intelligence, they pass it on to the Ukrainians. Now, beyond that, how it gets used is up to the Ukrainians. It's the U.S. not is is not deciding this. But uh, there is some suggestion that uh, it may have been used indirectly to kill several high-ranking Russian military officials. Uh, the American intelligence may have also been key in striking that Russian warship that famously uh, was was hit by a Ukrainian missile in the black sea so it has certainly helped the ukrainians to have access to that u.s intelligence but the americans are really sort of trying to distance themselves from it and say uh that they are not providing specific information to target high-ranking russian officials
0: is any of this helping the president's support i saw a recent poll that what 42 percent approve and 53 disapprove is is the war in ukraine helping at all or is COVID still really hammering joe biden
3: you know what's actually hammering joe biden is inflation and the economy uh really the fact that the inflation rate is at you know eight percent interest rates went up by a half point this week the biggest increase in 22 years uh the fact that the stock market yesterday lost uh 1200 points all those things are really what add up to hurt president biden's fortunes here it's the thing that people see and feel and deal with every single day in their lives and uh as much as you you know you talked about abortion earlier potentially being a defining issue in the upcoming midterms. Uh, Uh, The midterms are in November. That's a long time from now. And unless the economic situation changes, I think that will be what really drives people and their voting intentions this fall.
1: Jackson, maybe the most important question of the morning is something we've not touched on yet. It needs to be covered. It needs to be addressed. The NHL playoffs. And I'm wondering, because, uh, you know, uh, as a Canadian yourself, uh, working and living in, in Washington... Uh, we make a big deal of it on our side of the border, obviously. Uh, in your opinion, uh, your neighbors, your co-workers, uh, those folks in your neighborhood, are they following the NHL playoffs? What what kind of a sense do you get of the importance of these playoffs to Americans?
3: No, I mean, I can tell you uh, specifically here in Washington, it is not a big hockey town. I believe it's the second smallest arena in the league. And when the Caps, of course, won the Stanley Cup a few years ago, of course there were celebrations, there were fans out there celebrating but by no means is it the same as, say, winning the World Series or the Super Bowl down here. Far lower down on the radar for most people.
0: What about for you, Jackson? You're a Canadian, so hockey <laughs> is in your blood. Where Are you, are you from Alberta originally? I can't I'm remember. am from Calgary, yeah. yeah well, so, I will
3: be watching closely.
0: Uh, so you're a Flames fan? Oh, yeah. Okay. Not, <laughs> not an Oilers fan. Let's just make that clear.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so the year I moved out of Calgary was uh, 2004. So sad memories Ooh. of that year, right? Yeah, no
0: doubt. Okay, Flames fan it is. We'll, we'll mark you down as uh, the Flames winning the cup this year. Got it. Perfect. Check. Have a great weekend. <laughs> Thanks, Jackson. That is Jackson Prosco. He, of course, is Global News Washington Bureau chief. It's
1: interesting. They've got arguably, uh, you got to put Ovi in the in the uh, conversation of mm. one of the greatest to ever play the game. Uh, but even they that, don't not care. much of a big hockey town. It's no. the pockets of uh, Canadians in the U.S. And I think it's the TV rights. And I think more and more people are watching the games perhaps and it's not new down in the u.s absolutely now if you look at the original teams but you know hey we'll, we'll take our game we'll keep our game but you know when you think about it like how many more teams are
0: in the u.s i, I do think that a lot of canadians and, and people who live in the u.s but are expats are just you know excited about the prospects of canada's teams because this year looking pretty good moving into the playoffs. oh
1: finally yeah. for sure
0: hallelujah <laughs>
1: Been glued to the TV and social media for Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard, the defamation trial. Yep. Online, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, even the coffee shops. Now, are we obsessed with celebrity drama? Is that the case? With Insight, we are joined by Dr. Samita Nandi, Director of the Center for Media and Celebrity Studies. Good morning to you, Dr. Nandi.
4: Good morning. Thank, Why, thank you for having me. Thank
1: you for being here. Why do you think this trial has become must watch TV for us?
4: Well, I think people are having an opportunity to reflect on their own lives. And during the pandemic, uh, domestic abuse was on the rise. That's what statistics show. And I think people really want to have a resolution. So from my observation and my research, I would say people really want to have an ethical solution. But I, I also think that people need to have an ethical responsibility towards their own life you know, while they're, you know, reflecting on this issue.
0: It's really interesting, though, because it is a defamation trial, and you're right, I mean, the the underlying theme here is which one or both were abused by the other. But yet it's just yeah. kind of become this this circus, hasn't it? I mean, when there are little bits all over TikTok, our, Andy and I were talking about our, our young kids, they know all about it because th- they've created these little memes and TikTok viral videos. It's, it's almost like the O.J. Simpson case, kind of, you know, to the nth degree, isn't it? Yes. Um, I know he became known for you know,
4: something that was infamous, you know, like two murder charges. And of course this hasn't, this doesn't have anything to do with murder, you know, but it does seem that both of them were aggressive. And what really concerns me is that fans are focusing on small bits and pieces of news and they're shifting their attention away from the actual Mm -hmm. issue. So at this point, I think you know we do have a responsibility to restore the actual you know context you know in which the abuse happened, why it happened, and you know have a resolution for all.
1: And so many questions surrounding you know uh, the setup of something like this and what we're watching unfold in front of our eyes, including just ahead of her testimony, Amber Heard fired her PR team. So so what does a move like that tell you? <sighs>
4: I have a feeling that, you know, she, it's not in her favor. You know, if she fired her PR team, it means that she is not getting the results that she expected in this kind of public relations, you know, in this kind of, you know, like media outreach. And it seems like a lot of people are in favor of Johnny Depp as opposed to Amber Heard, although it seems, you know, both of them were aggressive. And, um, Maybe, you know, she is also looking for, you know, a raising of her profile. Right now, Johnny Depp's profile is being raised. But if her PR team is not helping to do that, then, you know, she has her valid reasons to fire her PR team.
0: And I think that's the thing is Amber Heard looks bad in this case. And frankly, Johnny Depp does as well. But everybody seems to love johnny depp and and kind of be taking his side does this whole thing the whole drama the hollywood sensationalistic side of things does do you think that that might have an effect down the road of of women coming forward when they they are suffering domestic violence or any kind of abuse and and having the courage to come forward when it doesn't sort of really matter what she's saying amber heard because johnny depp's the hero here
4: yeah exactly um no pun intended but amber heard is being heard and those women who want to relate to her those who want to identify with her they have the chance to do that but at the end of the day you know the court will decide what's fair because all the evidence is there so i have a lot of trust in the legal system and you know they're going through all the evidence she has a lot of photographs you know just capturing all the details because it's hard to Um, you know, capture domestic violence, you know, a lot is unsaid. So my hope is that women will continue to capture evidence, you know, photograph, or even write an op-ed like she did, you know, whether it's going to be in her favor or not at the end of the day, but she did write an op-ed, you know, I wrote an op-ed too, as a celebrity scholar, as an actor, and just as a feminist, I wrote an op-ed and I do voice. So I think that's, something that's available to every man and woman but at the end of the day you know the court will decide what's fair because all the evidence is there
1: when you say what's fair dr nandy is is this a case because it does seem like a circus as we're watching it now and there's debate on whether or not they're acting or you know really telling the truth per se but in the end will there be a quote-unquote winner could there be a winner out of this
4: at this point, uh, yeah, this is a really valid question. You know, like at this point, I feel that Johnny Depp has received the justice he was looking for, even if he loses the case. And at the end of the day, um, I have a feeling that both will be heard. You know, no matter who wins, they're going to be heard. And what? I'm more focused on is um, abuse being out in the public. You know, he definitely wanted to reverse the situation. You know, what was abusive behind the doors? He wanted to let it out in public. Mm And that's something that happens a lot of times, you know, abuse happens behind the doors and it's not heard, so at least they're being heard. And in the long run, I think there's call for education here, there's room for improvement. And I think, you know, people should have the tools available for them to voice. But of course, you know, not turn it into a media circus. You know, this is where fans are also responsible. You know, like when they're remixing details, they're doing little clips, you know, they're putting it out there and it's going viral. That's something that is out of control of, you know, the, the courtroom, you know, the, the courtroom is doing its job. But I think we also have a responsibility in how we perceive and how we make it work for us. Yeah, and, and, not, doing, and know, doing a little research too, anything.
0: not just not just believing a TikTok clip, right? Yeah, exactly. it's, <laughs> it's a fascinating discussion. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Dr. Samita Nandi is the director of the Center for Media and Celebrity Studies. And I think, you know, she's got a good point there just in terms of if nothing else it's bringing to the forefront. Yes, men can certainly suffer domestic violence women hopefully can have their voices heard when they're suffering domestic so i mean but i think we're kind of almost losing that in the whole celebrityness of it all well
1: that's something that dr nandy pointed out which is huge and uh, you know you can point fingers at the media all you want but there's only so much coming from the media this may, and the dynamic may have been changed because of social media. And like she say, the creation of clips and opinion and mm-hmm. the proliferation of this. And uh, sides. everybody might, do, well, and anybody who has an opinion has the opportunity in the platform now. So maybe that's the difference between this trial and trials past.
0: Maybe so. If it's fascinating, and it's probably going to go on for a little while longer. Uh, He'll be inundated all over the place. Wish with it, it would end. I know. Happy Friday, everyone. Fridays, we always check in with our friend Brett McGarry of The Couch Potatoes. Find out what we need to see on the big and small screen. Good morning to you, Brett. Hello there. Hey, it is exciting times. We'll talk about the summer movie season coming up in just a moment. But before we get to that, there's a big one coming out this weekend.
5: That's right. The The summer movie season for the last, I think, decade has always started with a movie from Marvel. And it's no different this year. They claimed the opening weekend with Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Someone once told me that the reality I thought I knew
1: was just one of many. You opened the doorway between universes and we don't know who or what will walk through it. Wanda,
5: what do you know about the multiverse?
0: Viz had his theories. He believed it was dangerous.
1: He
5: was right. Benedict Cumberbatch returns as the master of the mystic arts after appearing in Spider-Man No Way Home at Christmas, and in that movie he cracked open the multiverse, and bad things happened, and more bad things are going to continue in this movie, and um, this looks wild, and one of the interesting things about it is that the director is Sam Raimi, who directed the first three Spider-Man movies, Mm. so he's this is his first trip back to the superhero genre, but Sam Raimi is also a master of horror movies, and from what I understand, this movie is essentially the first scary movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so uh, it looks really interesting, and because they've got alternate dimensions, we're going to get multiple versions of Doctor Strange and multiple versions of Elizabeth Olsen's The Scarlet Witch, and they're going to bring in all kinds of characters by the sounds of it, uh, like Professor X from the X-Men, Patrick Stewart reprising that role. That's not a spoiler, it was in the trailer, (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, all kinds of characters. I, I will point out stay off of social media if you can as far or or mute all things Doctor Strange. I was on YouTube yesterday looking for a a Doctor Strange commercial to grab some audio from and I stumbled upon a whole bunch of spoiler videos Uh and uh, I I just had to jump ship. I'm like, no, I don't want to see this! (laughs) Oh my god, I haven't seen the movie yet. So, yeah. It's a job hazard, isn't it? (laughs) Um, It it, it ruined, Game of Thrones was ruined for me just on YouTube. So, yeah
1: we want to get to Ozark in a second, because you had the chance to see part two of the final season, I guess. Uh, but before we get to, uh, there, let's talk about any other summer movies that we should uh, be prepared for and get ready to get those tickets.
5: Top Gun Maverick comes mm, out in finally. May 20th. Yeah, this was supposed to come out in 2019 but it got pushed back because they wanted to uh, redo some of the flight sequences or touch them up, and then the pandemic hit, and it got rescheduled and rescheduled and rescheduled. It's finally slated for May 27th, and I had no expectations for this. Like, the first movie, I know it's a, a beloved classic, but it's not that great of a movie. But this one, the early reviews that came out of CinemaCon a few weeks back, Critics are raving about it. One really? critic flat out said this is the best movie of the year, period. Wow. Wow. High yeah. praise. So Top Gun Maverick comes out at the end of the month. Jurassic World Dominion comes out, uh, in June and they bring back the original cast, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum from the, uh, the first movies, uh, along with the new cast with uh, Chris Evans and the like. So the second movie, was not like in the Jurassic World mm-hmm. universe was not that great. So, hopefully, they can uh, stick the lining on this one. And then uh, Elvis, that movie looks fantastic on June 24th. What's that from, about? From director Boz Luhrmann. <laughs> yeah, he, it's uh, Tom Hanks plays the guy who uh, becomes his promoter. And uh, the, I think they're, they're, they're really, the really, the thing that I'm most curious about is that it's is the director. You know, he did stuff like uh, Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. So, it, that could be really cool. Be, yeah, yeah, the trail when I first saw the trailer I thought, "Whoa, that looks great." So, uh there are there are some pretty cool movies coming out this summer.
0: Fantastic. And uh, a quick review of Ozark. Don't spoil it. Haven't watched it though. <laughs>
5: Ozark season 4 part 2 came out last week on Netflix and uh it was a fantastic end to that series. The ending will be seen as abrupt, I think, by some, but uh I would suggest just just take a couple of minutes, let it sink in, and then think about the the implications. And, and then you kind of go, oh, I dig it. At oh. least that's how it worked for me. But yeah, okay. it was fantastic. Fantastic.
1: Cool. Your chance to see if you dig it too this uh, weekend as it's uh, up and streaming. Uh, lots to watch. Thank you so much for your time and have a great weekend, Brett. All right, you too. He's Brett McGarry of The Couch Potato. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast.
0: Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.
1: And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 5.30 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.